This Spotlight edition of the Security Ledger podcast is sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. Trusted Computing Group is a not-for-profit organization formed to develop, define, and promote open, vendor-neutral, global industry specifications and standards, supportive of a hardware-based route of trust for interoperable, trusted computing platforms. You can find out more information at the Trusted Computing Group website, www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. Hello, and welcome to a spotlight edition of our Security Ledger podcast, sponsored by Trusted Computing Group. I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. Just like the Mirai botnet illustrated the danger posed by insecure, low-value Internet of Things endpoints, the NotPetya wiper malware, which appeared in June 2017, underscored the way that software attacks could cripple hard infrastructure like manufacturing lines, ports, and logistical hubs. How do industrial networks and endpoints get targeted by malicious actors, and why are they so vulnerable to software-based attacks? Our guest this week has some thoughts on the risk to industrial control systems. He also has some ideas about what it's going to take to improve the security of manufacturing, critical infrastructure, and other industries with heavy investment in industrial control hardware and software. Steve Hanna is a senior principal at the chipmaker Infineon, and he's co-chair of the Embedded Systems, Internet of Things, and Industrial Working Groups at the Trusted Computing Group. In this spotlight conversation, Steve and I talk about the evolving cyber risks to industrial control system. He tells us that industrial firms often have difficulty implementing common security practices like regular patching, especially when they emphasize continuity of service over security. In this conversation, Steve and I talk about the state of industrial Internet of things security. I started out by asking Steve to talk a little bit about the work he does at Infidian and at the Trusted Computing Group. Yeah, my name's Steve Hanna, and I'm a senior principal at Infidian. Steve, welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. Thanks, Paul. Happy to be here. So as is often the case when we're talking to Steve Hanna, we're talking about Internet of Things. We're talking about security. Take a minute and tell us a little bit about Infineon. And also, you have an official position and do a lot of work with Trusted Computing Group. So uh, maybe just give us a little reprise both on Infineon and TCG. Sure. So Infineon, my employer, is a semiconductor manufacturer. So we make chips, and uh, the division that I work in focuses on security chips. So we make the security chips in your credit cards, uh, in passports and transit cards, in laptops, mobile phones, and increasingly in the uh, highly connected uh, Internet of Things, uh, everything from smart home devices to industrial systems, uh, connected cars. All of them need to have some security to protect against attacks, and these hardware security chips are one of the best ways to provide that security. One of the most widely known chips, because it's a standard, an international standard, in fact, is the Trusted Platform Module, or TPM. This is a standard which defines the capability of this particular security chip. What are the commands? How do you tell it to encrypt or decrypt or generate a new key or whatever? And this standard TPM standard is created by a standards group called Trusted Computing Group, or TCG. Infineon is one of the manufacturers that makes TPMs. Within TCG, uh, I'm 
co-chair of the Embedded Systems Workgroup, and underneath that, the IoT subgroup and the industrial subgroup. So very much focused on uh, industrial and IoT and industrial IoT and how we can secure those systems best uh, using the TPM, but using other technologies as well, because there's no one silver bullet uh, for industrial security or industrial IoT security. Uh, it takes quite a few different weapons to fight off the hordes. No silver bullets, really, as far as I can tell, in any area of cybersecurity, having covered it for a bunch of years. Uh, on the topic of industrial uh, security, you know, this is one that is gaining a lot of attention, gaining a lot of prominence. And I think because it now does seem to be real, we're starting to see cyber attacks, either targeted or not, that are disruptive to large, complex manufacturing firms. And and the, the one that comes to mind for me, of course, is, is Merck, the uh, pharmaceutical uh, maker who had a huge outbreak of the NotPetya malware. Uh, it wasn't actually targeted at them, but they got infected with it anyway. And it ended up disrupting their production of critical drugs, including Gardasil. Um, I I'm interested in your thoughts on sort of where we are with um, this problem and whether maybe the threats are getting ahead of our defenses. Well, I'm afraid that you're right, that they are getting ahead of our defenses, but I think we need to put this in perspective. While this is a growing problem, it's not a new one. We can go back 10 years to uh, Stuxnet, and that was uh, certainly the first widely known and understood uh, attack on industrial systems using cyber. Uh, and then we see since then an exponential growth curve slow at first and more rapid as time went on. Uh, as more and more attackers become familiar with the capabilities of and the advantages of attacks on industrial systems. So just in the last few years, uh, you cited the attack on Merck and, Merck, and also uh, I would like to point out the attack on the Ukrainian power grid uh, that uh, took place a couple of years ago. They were able to take down several regions of the Ukrainian power grid, uh, plunge people into the dark in the middle of December. Uh, so that's a, you know, a real physical impact. They're able to take something like spear phishing and turn it into uh, the power going out. So talk about how that is. I think most people probably assume that uh, manufacturing lines or power grids are running on a whole different set of uh, tools and software and hardware than, let's say, uh, uh, you know, corporate IT network. So how is it that these networks end up getting targeted and attacked? Is this, in most cases, malicious software designed specifically for those environments? Or is there overlap, I guess, between IT and OT, operational technology environments? There's growing overlap between them. Uh, industrial environments since the 60s uh, have been increasingly automated and computerized. And in the last 20 years or so, the technologies they've been using there have been more and more like uh, the technologies that we use in a typical IT environment. So for example, Windows, they'll have Windows PCs there, so-called industrial PCs, but that just means that they've been ruggedized. They're still running Windows. Uh, the difference is they don't get patched <laughs> or they rarely get patched because you don't really want to take down your industrial line to patch your industrial PCs. And 
the software that's running on them has real-time constraints in some cases, or at least reliability expectations for uptime. Um, and so you don't want to take those things down, update them, and then find out that the updates have caused you some reliability or safety problems. Um, so they're using Ethernet often, uh, TCP IP, Windows, and not the latest version of Windows, but maybe Windows 7 or Windows XP or <laughs> some really ancient version of Windows. So you can imagine how vulnerable those systems are. And to the extent that they're, that an attacker can get access to them, that's the soft underbelly of the industrial systems. Um, and if malware like NotPetya gets in, and there's so many ways for it to get in, you know how that is with a virus, uh, you know, it could be a USB stick, somebody's carrying some files back and forth. Even if the industrial system is completely air-gapped, that malware can get to it, infect those machines, and take them down, wipe them out, wipe the disk, you know, ransomware, whatever it is. Um, it can be very nasty. And that can be purely accidental on the part of the attacker. Uh, the attacker, you know, might have been aiming for ransomware on, uh, you know, some police department. And or just some widespread virus accidentally gets into an industrial system. The ones that are most concerning, though, are those that are a targeted attack, where the attacker has some deliberate end in mind, and they do create sophisticated malware that is designed to infect and subtly change or shut down the uh, operation of the industrial systems. Stuxnet was like that. The Ukrainian power grid was like that. And most recently, the Triton malware that took place about a year ago. This is the first time we've seen malware specifically designed to take down not just the industrial systems, but the backup safety systems that are designed to kick in if anything ever goes wrong and to make sure that the pressure you know, doesn't get too high, that you don't end up with an explosion. These are the backup systems. Uh, so now if they're able to shut down the main systems and the backup safety systems, some very bad things can happen. And Triton, that was seen in, I believe, Saudi Arabia is where that popped up. Is that right? That's right. And it's interesting. I mean, you can kind of track, I know, you know, six years or so ago, there was a Shamoon uh, wiper virus that targeted, you know, Saudi Aramco and was also there. That was more of a, you know, aimed at desktops and laptops and so on. You know, in the last six years, you've really seen a, a movement, a development from that kind of disruptive but PC-based malware to now Triton, which is really targeting the, the critical infrastructure of these oil-producing companies themselves. That's right. That's right. You're listening to a Spotlight podcast sponsored by the Trusted Computing Group. Trusted Computing Group is a not-for-profit organization formed to develop, define, and promote open, vendor-neutral, global industry specifications and standards, supportive of a hardware-based route of trust, for interoperable trusted computing platforms. You can find out more information at the Trusted Computing Group website, www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. One of the things that we're seeing is that manufacturers themselves are not running away from technology, but embracing it. There is this concept of Industry 4.0, which is, I think, more commonly used in Europe and Germany than it is here in the U.S., but it is this idea of super-connected, data-driven 
manufacturing processes, you know, very sensor rich and and nimble. I guess talk about the sort of industry 4.0 movement. And I mean, my guess is that while it creates efficiencies, it also increases the threat surface or the exposure to, to cyber risk. Yes, Industry 4.0. Here in the U.S., we tend to call it industrial IoT or the industrial Internet. Uh, it gives yes. some great benefits. Uh, the opportunity to uh, build to order or lot size one, as they say, uh, where you can do mass production of individually customized uh, uh, equipment. So uh, clothing that's made to order in a robotic environment, furniture, which is built to fit your apartment or your house. Uh these are uh, great things from a consumer perspective and from a business perspective. Obviously, you can charge more for custom furniture than for, uh, you know, off the shelf uh, stuff you get at Ikea. So uh, there's a great business case for Industry 4.0, but there's a risk as well. Whenever you connect industrial equipment to the outside world, you're just making it that much easier to attack. Um, and uh, so we in security, uh, some people say we're just naysayers. Well, this is a great example of a case where, <clears throat> and it's often the case, uh, there's a business reason for something. And our job is to tell people how they can do it safely. Uh, so industrial IoT or Industry 4.0 is happening now. It will continue to happen. And it's our job as security folks to tell people how to do it safely. Mm. Talk about the role of trust because Infineon and TCG, you know, at the, at the core of your offering is really trusted communications, trusted interactions between IT devices. Why is that so important in this context? It's not specifically about stopping or spotting threats. So talk about how, you know, a better foundation for trust ends up, you know, making you more resilient to um, attack. Absolutely. So when people think about security, they typically think about network security and encryption, things like that. Oh, you know, we need to make sure that nobody can eavesdrop on our conversations. And while that's important, it's equally important to make sure that the endpoints of the conversation are trusted or trustworthy, that, uh, you know, the uh, devices, the uh, laptops, mobile phones, or in this case, industrial systems are themselves secured so that they don't become infected. And it's not as easy as just loading some antivirus software onto your uh, industrial controller. <laughs> For one thing, it may probably is not running Windows and there's probably no antivirus software available for it. So what we end up having to do is to build in capabilities, fundamental technical capabilities like the hardware security chips I described earlier uh, into those industrial control systems to make sure that, uh, number one, uh, the most important uh, aspects are implemented in hardware so that a software bug or vulnerability can't accidentally uh, breach and uh, lose important data like cryptographic uh, keys or the secret formula for Coca-Cola or something like that, that has to be strongly protected. And then the other thing that we have to make sure that we do is to make sure that these devices are uh, up to date on all of their uh, software patches because uh, the way software works, 
And believe me, I'm a software engineer for 25 years before I got into the security stuff. There are always bugs. There are always vulnerabilities that need to be patched. And if you don't get those patches in and make sure that those patches are in place, you don't have protection against the latest forms of attack. So the hardware can help with that to verify that the patches are put in place um, and to make sure that those endpoints, those devices are trusted and trustworthy. That's what trusted computing is all about. That's what TCG uh, focuses on uh, providing the standards for the uh, hardware security chips there. And in the industrial world, this is becoming very popular. There's some new international standards like IEC 62443 uh, that require the use of hardware security in industrial systems. Talk about some of the work that like Infineon slash TCG do with manufacturers, with the companies that make, you know, manufacturing machinery or equipments to um, address this underlying, you know, digital trust uh, problem. Infineon We've always had a strong security program for our engineering and manufacturing facilities. Uh, but in recent years, as the move to industrial IoT and Industry 4.0 has taken place, uh, we've been at the forefront of ensuring that uh, these new technologies and techniques uh, include the same level of security uh, that we were able to achieve previously. Uh, and TCG has been playing an essential role there as well. TCG has created a new industrial subgroup, uh, which is focused on describing how TPM and similar technologies can be used to secure industrial systems. We've been working with groups like the International Society for Automation and the uh, International Electrotechnical Commission, IEC, ISA, on uh, their standards. Uh, I mentioned IEC 62443. Uh, this is an essential uh, standard for industrial cybersecurity, really sort of the Bible for industrial cybersecurity. It lays out five different security levels from none at all to the very strongest that can resist nation state attacks. It tells you how and when to use those different uh, levels of security. And it lays out specific requirements. You know, if you're at level five, what sort of capabilities do you need uh, in order to uh, resist uh, those nation state attacks? I'm guessing many manufacturers, industrial firms that are out there um, have tremendous investments in legacy hardware and software that they've, you know, made over the last 30, 40 years. Um and obviously, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm guessing one question they might have is, this is all great, but again, I've got you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of existing investment in existing hardware and software. How do I kind of level up security on that while also over the, you know, over the long term, look to move to a more robust and resilient uh, infrastructure? Yes, Paul, you're absolutely right. One of the things that we see in industrial environments, and it's true at every company, is that you always have some legacy systems. And you might think, oh, you know, well, maybe in 10 or 15 years, we can get those all out. You know, well, the sad truth is in 10 or 15 years, the things you install today are going to be legacy. It's not like with a laptop where you can replace it every two years or four years. With industrial systems, you put in place, you know, some... Uh, uh, metal stamping machine or uh, 
industrial scale generator in a hydroelectric plant. Uh, that's going to be there for 30, 40, 50, 60 years maybe. And uh, it has to be secure throughout that entire lifetime. The things that are in use today were installed in the 60s, the 70s, or maybe the 80s. Um, and so legacy is always with us in an industrial environment. Fortunately, the folks who are involved in developing the IEC 62443 standard, and these are industrial security experts. They understand that it is part of the part of the soup that they live in, part of their world. And mm -hmm. so 62443 has in it a concept of uh, zones and conduits. And the concept is this. You've got those legacy systems. How do you put them in a zone and uh, isolate their communications uh, over a secure conduit so that attackers can't get to them? Uh, you end up putting in place uh, secure uh firewalled and gatewayed uh, networks uh, that are separated from the rest of the plant so that those legacy systems are protected from whatever malware might get into the plant, um, however it might come in. So it's, it's not an absolute protection, but we can't expect to deal in absolutes. That's not the way security works. It's layers of protection. I know one of the big concerns in the industrial space is much more subtle attacks. You know, um, Trend Micro had a post from precision manufacturing company called Bionix where they were talking about, you know, the the risk that uh, a sophisticated attacker could slightly alter the manufacturing of certain parts by, you know, microns, you know, and and result in a, a faulty part or a faulty product. Is, is that something that you hear about from customers? And is there a technology solution to that particular problem? Uh, yes, it is definitely a concern. Now, one of the things that we have to do when we consider such attacks is the motivations of the attacker. Um, a lot of attackers are in it for the short run. They're in it to get in there, make some money, and get out. But there are those who are in it for the long run. Those types of precision attacks you're talking about, that's typical for a nation state uh, or some industrial cybersecurity attack uh, because they're taking a long-term view. They're not just looking for a quick fix. Um, in that case, if you're dealing with a nation state, you have to assume that uh, they have the ability to penetrate your defenses, to get inside your plant, and to start to install uh, malware without detection. And you therefore have to look at detection systems that allow you to notice when something suspicious is going on. And you have to start looking at your plant with a completely different eye. Um, those folks have the ability to uh, for example, get somebody hired into your plant um, as an insider and conduct sabotage within the plant. Uh, it can take the form of physical sabotage, or it could be slipping a USB drive into a machine undetected and, and having a, a malware installed in that machine or altering the programming slightly. Stuxnet was a good example, an undetected alteration in the programming of the PLCs, which resulted in overspeed situation uh, with the centrifuges almost undetectable, but uh, very damaging to the industrial plant. Um, and these things are detected with equally sophisticated countermeasures. So if you want to catch a crook, you have to think like a crook. 
And if you want to catch a, an APT or a, an advanced persistent threat, you have to have an advanced persistent defense in order to do so. It takes a high level of sophistication to catch a very sophisticated attacker. Uh, so if folks are listening and want to learn more about this or even get involved in the work that, you know, for example, Trusted Computing Group does in this area, what is your advice to them? Well, uh, two uh, links I'm going to give you for further information. One is that link on the Infineon website, www.infineon.com slash IEC62443. There you can learn a lot more about the international standards in this area. And uh, I'm working on a series of five white papers that will go into more detail and be posted there over the next few months. And the other link would be the Trusted Computing Group website, trustedcomputinggroup.org. There people can learn about the TCG activities in this area. You just click on Workgroups Industrial, and we would welcome more folks uh, getting involved or reaching out to ask questions and participate in our efforts. Okay, and final question. If, if we have listeners who are working in uh, manufacturing, industrial uh, sector, and uh, they are maybe looking for one thing that they could do to uh, improve their resilience to cyber attack, uh, what would you say it is? Educate yourself. That's the most important thing you can do. Go to the ISA's uh, website. That's isasecure.org. There are classes that you can take there on industrial cybersecurity, great stuff based on the international standards. You can actually get a certificate and probably uh, let you help you out at your next annual review. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it'll also help you make your industrial systems more secure. The average person who's not involved with this, there is actually something that that person can do to help reduce the risk of industrial cyber attacks. And that's to contact your congressperson and to ask them to make sure that our U.S. government has the strong cybersecurity measures we need and that the government encourages others uh, yep. to include those strong cybersecurity measures as well. This is a matter of national security and a matter of safety for all of us. Steve Hanna of Infineon, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us on Security Ledger Podcast. Thanks for having me, Paul. Steve Hanna is a senior principal at the chipmaker Infineon and co-chair of the Embedded Systems, IoT, and Industrial Work Groups at the Trusted Computing Group. You've been listening to a Spotlight podcast sponsored by the Trusted Computing Group. Trusted Computing Group is a not-for-profit organization formed to develop, define, and promote open, vendor-neutral, global industry specifications and standards, supportive of a hardware-based route of trust for interoperable, trusted computing platforms. You can find out more information at the Trusted Computing Group website, www.trustedcomputinggroup.org. 